0: Good morning, glad that you're here today, glad to, to be here, to be with you today. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, for your the um, loss my father and our travels and his funeral, and uh, God is, has blessed us in that, and we all are, uh, all of our family returned home safely, uh, and we are, are indeed thankful for that. Um, Mick, you and I are in agreement So, just so you always know, um, I believe communion is the most important part of our service, too. That we have an opportunity to commune with our Lord in a way that is unique to anything else in life. And uh, so, when we remember the sacrifice of His Son and His body and His blood that paid a price for us, um, that is the most critical thing that we can do in all of our spiritual journey. So, uh, you and I are always in agreement on that, brother. So don't ever feel like you're slighting me because I know I'm just here to help. I'm just here to help, brother. So I want to talk to you today for just a few moments about God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. It may not always seem that way. And we may struggle with God's timing not being our timing. God not doing thing in the time frame that we want things done, or we expect things done, or we envision things happening. But God's timing is always perfect. And we may not understand it, we may not comprehend, or or even at times agree with it. But the fact of the matter is, God's timing is always perfect. There's a story, an event in the the life of the nation of Israel in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11 that teaches us some valuable lessons about God's timing and the perfectness of that timing in their life. And that translates into our lives today as well. 1 Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to begin reading today. In the very first verse. Now, Nahash the Ammonite came up to besiege Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. Okay? Let's, let's pause right there verse 1 for just a moment. Let's get a, a vision of what is going on. Jabesh is a part of the nation of Israel. And, uh, and they are, are there as a group or as a, a part of the nation of Israel. But they are separate. They're not all together. And, and so Nahash has come up, the king of the Ammonites has come up against them. And basically they are in, encircled with the enemy. And, and so Nahash says, Nahash says to them, you know, we're going to, to take you. you. They're under siege, right? And so they come out and say this, hey, I tell you what, let's make a covenant together and we'll be your slaves. So our, our part of the bargaining chip is that we will become slaves to you. Now, what's the covenant we're going to make? What's the agreement that we can come to? Well, what they're asking is, don't kill us, let us live. And if you let us live, We'll be your servants. We will serve you as your slaves if you'll just let us live. So, we find uh, the uh, Jabesh, the the uh, people of Jabesh, and and they are in they are in besieged, being besieged. Now they call out and say, "Hey, let's make a covenant. You let us live, and we'll be your slaves." But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, "I will." Make it with you on this condition. Okay, so so here it comes. Bargaining, right? We're back and forth. So, yeah, I'll make a covenant with you. I'll let you live. But here is the condition of that. That I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you. Thus, I will make it a reproach on all of Israel. So, what I do to you reflects on the entire nation of Israel and your God... Okay, who's over the nation of Israel, and so this is what my, my condition is to let you live, and, and for you to become our slave, is that I'm going to gouge out the right eye of every one of you. So you're going to be blinded in one eye. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, let us alone for seven days. In other words, let us think about this. You know, you've you offered a, a back and forth here, and this is what you're giving us. Let us think about this for seven days. That we may send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to deliver us, we will come out to you. Then the messengers came to uh, Gibeah of Saul and spoke these words in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they were were mourning or they were in sorrow or, or difficulty in regards to what they're hearing about Jabesh. Now, behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and he said, What is the matter with the people that they weep? So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily when he heard these words, and he became Very angry. And he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces. Now, you've heard a lot about motivational speeches. This guy is sending some motivation, all right? Listen to what he says. He cut them into pieces and he said, um, and sent them throughout the territory of Israel. So, to all of the other people of Israel, By the hand of messengers, saying, "Whoever does not come out after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen." Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. So he was motivating the nation of Israel, and he takes an oxen and and he tears it in two into pieces, and he sends messengers out to all of the tribes and all of the people of Israel, and he said, "Listen." Here's the motivation. You come out and you help me with this fight. Or else, this is what's going to happen to you and to your oxen. Okay? And so, what did they do? Well, they were motivated. They responded. And it said they came out all together as one man. I mean, they were unified in this battle. There was unity and harmony and about, about what they were going to do. So, picking up in verse 8. He numbered them in Bezek, and the sons of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said uh, said to the messengers who had come, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have deliverance. So the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Well, that's kind of an understatement, isn't it? (laughs) Think about that. Hey, listen, here's the message. The nation of Israel is coming to your aid. And they are going to rescue you by the time the sun is hot. And so that's the peak of the day. So noon, noonday sun. And so by the time that happens, they're going to deliver you. They're coming to save you. And it says, they were glad. Man, can you imagine when they, hey, we're not going to have to lose our right eye. We're not going to have to be slaves. We're not going to have to surrender to any of this stuff because somebody's coming to save us. Somebody's coming to rescue us. And they were not just glad, they were excited. They were ecstatic about what was going to happen. Then the men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will come out to you. And you may do to us whatever seems good to you. We'll talk about that in a moment. And it happened the next morning that Saul put the people in three companies. And they came into the midst of the camp at the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came about that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. I mean, they dispersed. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day. For today the Lord has accomplished deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. What an amazing story. What an incredible understanding of the power of God, the presence of God, and God's ability to deliver and to provide for us in the midst of our lives, and to help us to understand His timing is always perfect. His timing is exactly as it should be. Now, this is an incredible story. In part, remember, the nation of Israel who has been looking around the world, and they said, hey God, everybody in the world has a king. Why don't we have a king? We'd like to have a king. And they began to debate back and forth with God about how important this would be. And so the scripture says that finally God relented. God said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And so he sends Samuel, the prophet, and he has announced or anointed that Saul will be king. Now, he hasn't been made king yet, but everybody knows he's going to be the king, right? And so he is brand new, selected to lead the nation of Israel—the first physical man to ever lead the nation of Israel. God has always led the nation of Israel; they've never had a king before. And and so he is the first one. Imagine what that must have been like. Imagine the feeling and and the ominous of 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 the idea that God has always led the nation of Israel. Now they've cried out for a king, and God has selected me to be that king, and I'm the first person to ever do this. How's this going to go? How are the people going to respond to a physical human king when God has always been their leader? And God has led them through some incredible things. How are they going to respond to me being their king? And so all of these things are going on, and, uh, and so we, we see that, that God prepares His people and His timing to save His people is always perfect. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Just the right time. God's timing is always perfect perfect and he knows that we need saved he knows that we need rescued he knows that we need help and his timing is always perfect just the right time when we were still powerless we had no power Christ died for the ungodly there are four quick things that I want to see this morning about the perfect timing of of God, The first one is this, is when you feel the pressure, God will provide help. I want you to think about these people at Jabesh. They were under a tremendous amount of pressure. They were, as we would say, between a rock and a hard place. They had been under siege by Nahash and the Ammonites, and they were about to destroy them. And they began to try to negotiate to save their lives. And this is the point they had reached. They had reached the point of saying, Listen, if you'll just spare us, we'll become your slaves. That's how desperate they were. They knew that they could not win. They knew that the battle for them, there was, there was no way that they could win this battle. They knew that the Ammonites were going to destroy them. And so they, they were under this amount of pressure, this, uh, this, this difficulty that they were facing, this challenge in their life. And then they said, listen, we are so desperate to live that if you'll, if you'll just let us live, we'll be your slaves. We'll serve you from now on. And, and so they come back and they go, well, tell you what, let's negotiate that a little bit. The negotiation is we're going to lose your right eye, but you're going to save your life. Imagine the pressure they were under. Imagine the choices they were going to have to make. A- am I going to make this choice? How is it going to affect my wife, my children, my grandchildren? A- a- am I going to make this choice and, and choose to live and have my wife and my children and my grandchildren have them live? as one-eyed slaves the rest of their lives? Is that the choice I'm going to make? Or am I going to say no? And the fact that that all of our lives would end and it would be over. They were at a difficult point in life. And they had choices to make. And they needed help. And what I want you to see in that is is there are often times when we come to difficult points in life. And there are choices that we have to make. And those decisions sometimes do not just impact us, they will impact others. Those decisions are not just for a moment, but they can be for a lifetime. And when we're facing that kind of pressure, when we're facing those kind of challenges and those kind of difficulties and those types of hard decisions in life, what I want us to learn from this text today is God will always provide. God will always provide. In His timing. And they didn't know that. They didn't see that. They didn't understand that at this point. But they would learn that God would provide an answer. And He'll do the same for you and I. He will always provide an answer. He will always provide a way for us to see through the difficulties and the challenges that we're facing in life, if we will, and that's the next thing that, that we have to do, and that's number two I want us to learn today, when we feel the pressure, we must ask God for help. When we feel the pressure, we must ask God for help. So, so they said to Nahash, hey, listen, give us seven days. And they sent out messengers to the nation of Israel And they said, what? Help. It was an SOS signal, right? We need help. We need somebody to rescue us. We are facing this difficult thing in life, this incredible decision that we have to make, that is not just going to impact today or tomorrow, next week, next month. It's going to impact us the rest of our lives, if we have a life. So the decision is, do I live the rest of my life as a a one-eyed slave, Or do I just let them kill me and my life be over and it be done with? That's what we're facing. We need help. Ever felt like that in your life? (laughs) That you're facing this impossible decision and and neither one is really a good choice and you don't know what to do and all we have to do is, is ask God. Just call out to Him. God, I'm facing this monumental thing and I need help. I can't deal with this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And so they sent out a message and said, Is there anybody who will help us? Anybody who can come alongside and help us deal with this problem? And, and so what I want to encourage you is oftentimes in life, we'll hear people say things like this, Well, I've tried everything else and it didn't work. I might as well pray. I've done everything else I can, nothing else. I guess I'm just going to have to turn over to the Lord. Why do we wait till it's our last resort to do the thing that we should have done first? Why do we wait till we're at the end of the rope and we've tried everything, we have no option, there is no answer? That's where they were. They were at a point that they had no option, there was no answer, there was no good decision out of this. And as a last resort, they said, hey, let's ask for some help. I don't know how how come they hadn't already done that. How come they had already sought some help and, and some resolution to this problem they're facing in life? But we do the same thing. We, let me see if I can handle this. Let me see if I can take care of this. Let me see how I can get through this. We make all these things. And at some point we go, I, I can't do anything else. I guess I turn to God. Why don't we turn to Him first? Why don't to go to Him and say, God, I'm facing this. And I have no way to know how to handle this or what to do or where I'm going to go. I need your help right up front. But we wait. We let the problems get bigger. We let them get more difficult. We let them get more challenging. We, we let them become more overwhelming. And finally, at some point, we say, well, how about God? God, can you help me with this? Let's go there first. So when you're feeling the pressure in life, go to God. Ask Him for help. Third thing is this. When we feel the pressure, put the outcome into God's hands. Put the outcome into God's hands. Don't don't try to figure it out. Don't try to say, hey, well, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is where we're going to end up. Just put the outcome in God's hands. That's what they did. If you listened in the text, when they received the message back that said, by the heat of the day tomorrow, you will be saved. And what did they immediately do? They went to Nahash and they said, hey, here's the deal, man. Tomorrow, we're going to come out. And we're going to be exposed and we're going to be accessible and here we're going to be and you do with us what you think you need to do. So there was no agreement. There was no covenant that was made. There was no, okay, you poke out our eye and we'll be your slave or anything. They just said, we're going to come out and when we come out tomorrow, you do with us what you think is best. Think about that for just a moment. They were trusting that the messenger got the message right They were trusting that those who said they're going to show up are going to show up. They were trusting that God was going to do what God had planned to do and His timing was going to be perfect because they were going to expose themselves completely to Nahash and the Ammonites. And if there wasn't anybody there to help, guess what's going to happen? They're going to die. They can't fight this battle on their own. And so they had to turn at some point... and and put the outcome of what was going to happen in the hands of the Lord. And they said, okay, they've said they're coming. We get the message. There's going to be help by the heat of the day tomorrow. And so here's the deal. We're going to come out, and you do with us what you want to do. Well, we know that God's timing was perfect and that God had a plan exactly how he was going to save them and deliver them. And all they had to do was trust him. All they had to do was put it in His hands and, and not say, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to, do this, we're going to do that. And all of a sudden, there's going to be this... They didn't know just, hey, we're coming out. Do what you want to do. We're going to trust. God has said, I, I'm going to resolve this for you, and we're just going to trust Him to do that. Okay? And so we know the rest of the story and what happens, and that is that the next day... At the morning watch, the changing of the guard, that 330,000 Israelites came into the Ammonite camp and utterly destroyed them, devastated them to the point that they began to scatter in every direction. And the Scripture says that there were never two of them together. In other words, they were so dispersed and so scattered that it was one here, one here, one here, one there. They were fleeing in retreat, and they were on their way out of there, and Jabesh had been saved. They'd been rescued. They'd been delivered. From the pressure that they were under and the fate that they were facing, God had provided a way for them. And it was in His time. It was in His plan. And they had to put it in His hands. One final thing that I want to encourage you with today, and that is when you feel the pressure, show grace. When you feel the pressure, show grace. I want you to think for just a moment about all that's unfolding in this story. Saul has been anointed to become the new king. He has not been been crowned the new king, but but everybody knows he's going to be the new king. There's some people who are real unhappy about this. If we read to the latter part of, of that chapter 11, it says that there are these people who question, is Saul going to be our king? And the question was a derogatory question, right? It wasn't, is Saul going to be our king? It was, is Saul going to be our king? No, no way. They were opposed to Saul being king. They were in opposition to his taking a position of leadership. And because of that, they were influencing others and causing them to doubt and be unsure about Saul being called to be the king of the nation of Israel. And, and so these people were stirring up problems and everything. And Saul faces his first challenge as the newly anointed, not crowned, but newly anointed king. And the first challenge that everybody looks and sees, how, how's he going to handle it? How's this going to go? And old Saul's coming in. He says, hey, he's coming in from the fields with his oxen. He says, hey, what's everybody crying about? What's all this weeping and sorrow? What's happening? And so they give him the message. And he says, Okay. Think about the pressure he's under. Think about the inaugural event as king that he has to handle. It's an entire group of people from the nation of Israel, a city of people in the nation of Israel, and they're under siege and they're going to die or they're going to have their right eye poked out and become one-eyed slaves the rest of their life. And, And so the question comes, Saul, how do we deal with this? Imagine the pressure he was under. Imagine the difficulty of of going, okay, how do we respond to this? But he immediately took action. And he sent a motivational message to the nation of Israel and said, you're going to come help? And did they come help? And there was a victory that day. In fact, it says that they all rejoiced with incredible and exceedingly gladness. There was great joy. But here's what I want you to notice. He was under all of this pressure to make this inaugural decision of his his kingship, if you would. And in the midst of that, there were people who questioned his ability or his authority to be their king. They didn't want him as their king. They were stirring up problems. And so when this great victory happened under the leadership of Saul, those who supported Saul came out and said, Who are the people who were questioning him as our king? Let's get him out here and let's put him to death. We don't need doubters like that in, in, our, in our nation. We don't need people who are questioning the kingship. This guy is a leader. This guy is decisive. This guy did what needed to be done. And he delivered people and he saved them and he saved their lives. And, and he did it with, as a, a unified nation. Did you get that? He did it as a unified nation. When they came out, when the nation of Israel came out 330,000 strong, when they came out, they came out as one man. There was unity and there was harmony and they were following a leader. And the leader was leading in the direction they needed to go. And so those people who supported him said, hey, who, who are the doubters? Who are the naysayers? Who are those who are questioning Saul as being our, our king? Let's get him out here and let's put him to death. And what Saul do? Saul showed grace. And Saul said, nope, nope, nobody's dying today. God has delivered us a great victory. And we're going to celebrate that together. When you're under pressure, show grace. Oftentimes, we're under pressure, we strike out negative. We strike out angry. We strike out and hurt people. Saul said, nope, none of that today. We're showing grace. And the grace says, let's all celebrate together. Because God has delivered us a great victory. God's timing is always perfect. And whatever we're facing in life and whatever we're dealing with in life, turn to Him. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to deliver you. Ask Him to help you. Then trust Him enough to put the outcome in His hands and let Him take control and let Him lead. And in the midst of it, even if there are those naysayers, even if those are those opponents show grace show mercy show that god is in control not me not that person not anyone else god is in control and when we trust him with that he says my timing will always be perfect isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 says this for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His timing may not always, we may not always understand it, we may not always agree with it, but His timing is always